Hello, and welcome back to Multi-Level Mondays, a weekly series all about multi-level marketing, pyramid schemes, and Ponzi schemes. Today, we're going to be talking about Greater Ministries International. What I found most surprising about this is it was kind of a church and a Ponzi scheme all wrapped into one. That's why I was sort of surprised that my cursory sources didn't really pull up much, and even their Wikipedia page was only a couple paragraphs long. But after taking some time to really dig into this topic, I have a complete story, at least from what I found, about what happened at Greater Ministries International, or the Church Ponzi Scheme, I guess. So let's get started. So Greater Ministries International, or GMI, was founded in 1993 by Gerald Payne of Tampa, Florida. He wasn't alone, but we're gonna begin with his story as he's pretty widely regarded as the one that started all of this. According to a mini documentary produced by CNBC about this scandal, Payne was a blue collar guy, a painter, who even ran a warehouse at one point. The Anti-Defamation League elaborates and says, GMI was the brainchild of Payne, a Florida contractor who found religion in the 1980s and became a minister. But Payne, who spent some time in prison in 1979 for lying to a grand jury, discovered that the material rewards of preaching did not match the spiritual uplift. In other words, being a preacher didn't earn him enough money. With his typical energy, he attempted to remedy the imbalance. With James Marr formally on probation for running a pyramid scheme, he incorporated a financial planning firm into the early 1990s that offered a gold coin investment program. Shortly thereafter, with the help of Haywood Don Hall, Payne created a religiously couched investment plan that would ostensibly double the blessings that people invested. In 1993, they named their operation Greater Ministries International. Gerald Payne, James Marr, and Don Hall, they were all criminals working together to create a scam masked by a church. GMI was never intended to be anything aside from a Ponzi scheme. They bought an old bank building, which is pretty ironic considering this was a setup to steal money if you ask me, and went around using God's name to get people to give them money. He was no ordinary preacher in more ways than one. The ADL again writes, to the outside world, GMI seemed to be a well-meaning if somewhat unorthodox church that helped the homeless and addicted with programs providing housing and work. In fact, the church would even boast of public officials who had commended its work for the unfortunate, but inside, GMI was like no other church. Its headquarters in Tampa had 14 safes and two vaults, as well as a money counting room. And the people who ran the church were like few other church leaders. Gerald Payne was a preacher who kept one gun in his boots and another in his glove compartment. Over the years, Payne and Hall had gravitated toward the extreme anti-government ideology of the so-called Patriot Movement. The people with whom they surrounded themselves with ranged from members of the sovereign citizen movement to rabid white supremacists. Their key associates included Patrick Henry Talbert, a sovereign citizen and self-declared ambassador of the Kingdom of Heaven, adherents of the anti-government teachings of the Staton, Oregon-based Embassy of Heaven uses this title, and Charles Eadson, formerly head of the white supremacist Church of the Avenger, who moved into GMI's headquarters and helped Payne with legal filings until their spiritual split and Eadson's jailing on unrelated charges. GMI also hosted seminars by Patriot figures like Eugene Schroeder and David Wynne Miller and involved itself in the activities of nearby extremists, including common law court activist Emilio Ippolito. Criminals, powerful people, white supremacists, 
all operating within this church. However, worse than that, Payne claimed to have someone even more powerful on his side, God himself. Payne would tell people that he awoke from a dream and God revealed the scripture of Luke to him. Give and it shall be given unto you was the passage Payne used from the Bible to claim that his plan was God's word. He'd state that God never intended his church to be poor. He said, blessed are the poor at heart, not pocketbooks. Jesus Christ. And according to Gerald, if you trusted in his plan, he could make you rich too. Oh boy. Also, just as an aside here, if you want to give your money to a church, that's up to you. It's your money. I'm not going to say you should or shouldn't do it. I'm not saying that giving to churches is wrong because some churches out there are doing great work, but this just isn't the case here. He was literally telling people to empty their life savings to him because he was going to double it. He wasn't encouraging people to give what they could to a worthy cause, but entrust him with all they had. And what did he do with it exactly? Well, let's break down the scam. Their flagship program, the Double Your Money Gift Exchange, promised to double contributions thanks to GMI's non-existent investments in precious metals. GMI marketed the program to ultra-conservative political and religious groups, as well as to other communities outside the mainstream, especially the Amish and Mennonite sects. The program, stated Payne, was based on Luke 6.38, give and it shall be given unto you. Claiming to accept money only from active Christians, Payne said that God had modernized the multiplication of the loaves and fishes and asked him to share the secret. Payne and the elders of GMI had few scruples in soliciting investments. They urged people to empty their bank accounts, to cash in IRAs, to max out credit cards, even to sell their businesses and equipment. They declared that it was the opportunity of a lifetime, an opportunity to double, triple, even quadruple one's initial investment. Those who were convinced donated thousands or tens of thousands of dollars. The highest single investment appears to have been several million dollars. Some liquidated their entire life savings. GMI seminars were standing room only. 700 people crowded into a hotel conference room at one meeting in Pennsylvania that raised half a million dollars. But this was nothing compared to the sums that Payne claimed GMI doled out. In seven years, Payne said GMI had returned $500 million. His operation was so big, he asserted, it had outgrown banks. None of this is true, of course. In a Ponzi scheme, if you aren't aware, the older members get paid off with new investor money. However, the scheme only keeps working if more members come in. So eventually, a Ponzi scheme is bound to collapse in on itself. But because initially Payne had happy customers, those older investors went and spread the word that GMI was legitimate. Even stockbrokers recommended this to people. One woman, Nancy, was told that the church was making a killing in offshore diamond mines. At first, Nancy was thrilled, she said, just like clockwork on the 15th of every month, she would go to a house and pick up cash. Nancy encouraged people she knew to get in on the double your money offer from this church because it was, after all, a church. They claimed to feed the homeless and poor, so why would they lie? Their message from the pulpit loosely based on scripture, the proof they had of others getting paid, no wonder people believed in it. Even though the words double your money alone should raise so many red flags, the people in GMI probably thought this was a man of God offering them help from God. And I don't know if I can really blame them for getting suckered into this. I think it's just a bit extra despicable that Payne used the Bible to do it, preying on people's religious beliefs and twisting them to suit his narrative and his checkbook ultimately. Those that invested before started investing even more, mortgaging their home and putting $80,000 into the scheme. 
They kept getting envelopes full of cash, which is a bit suspicious in of itself, but okay, and picking up a few hundred thousand dollars every month. And the word naturally began to spread. One woman from the mini documentary, American Greed, God Loves You and Your Money, said that it was almost like preying upon the Christian ministry in the sense that she says, anytime you can put a contribution or donation to help with the religious mission field, that's what Christians are called to do. So it was almost a win-win. The people of the GMI church were not only investing their own money, but felt called upon to tell others to spread this good news. The group had money to burn. In 1997, it bought Western Kentucky's largest hotel and convention center. At its Tampa headquarters, it started an herbal research center led by Joel Arquila, a doctor whose license was suspended in Pennsylvania for practicing without malpractice insurance. Arquila later claimed that it was his only connection with Greater Ministries was as a research consultant for several months and that he was not involved with other Greater Ministries activities. Eventually, Payne began looking overseas in partnership with Nico Schieffer, a South American who had served six years in prison for bank fraud. Payne began pouring money into Liberia, eventually millions of dollars, in order to secure mining rights and set up gold and diamond mines and a bank in that war-torn country. Despite this investment, GMI never dug up a single nugget of gold. This herbal research center claimed to treat cancer, by the way, so that's another thing to tack on to their list of crimes. Now, I know at this point, you may be wondering a couple things. One might be why the ADL or Anti-Defamation League has proven to be such a useful source in all of this. After all, the ADL is all about fighting anti-Semitism and hatred against Jewish people. Another thing you might be wondering is why they were called white supremacists when so far, all we've seen is just Payne taking money from people. Well, as it turns out, Payne may have been quoting scripture from his pulpit, but he was also spewing some incredibly hateful language too. The Southern Poverty Law Center said this in a 1999 issue. If it was a scam, Tampa-based Greater Ministries was a ripoff with a twist, what investigators call an affinity scam that plays on deep-seated interests that potential victims already have. It appealed to those in the so-called Patriot Movement, to men and women already familiar with the talk of sovereignty, of massive banking conspiracies and the New World Order, the Federal Reserve Board and the gold-fringed flag. And it was very much a part of that movement. Payne, Greater's founder and director, and eight other Greater officials were named as unindicted co-conspirators in the federal trial of Emilio Ippolito in Tampa. Ippolito was sentenced to 11 years in connection with threats to hang federal judges and other activists of his constitutional common law court of We the People. Greater's one-time general counsel is Charles Eatson, former leader of the pro-Nazi Church of the Avenger and founder of the anti-government Tampa Freedom Center. The TFC is based in Greater's headquarters building and is listed as a division of Greater Ministries. Advertising in a 1997 Patriot publication, Payne and Eadson urged their readers to take a stand against the government and against Zionism itself. Last September, in a letter to the Tampa Tribune, two partners wrote, we do not believe in what the Jew has done and is doing to our country. The same month, Eadson wrote in a Patriot publication advertisement that the enemy was clearly the damnable eternal Jews. When Payne dissolved Greater Ministries as a corporation last September in a bid to make it exempt from state and federal laws, he submitted a common law notice to the Florida Comptroller's office. The notice declared that Greater would henceforth answer only to Ippolito's common law court and the constitutional common law militias. This patriot movement was and is nothing more than a hate movement. 
On one hand, I'm not too sympathetic towards Payne's victims if they were a part of this, but on the other, it does seem like a ton of innocent people that weren't part of this movement got caught up in the lies too. Judging from what the documentary says about Nancy and some of the others that simply had it recommended to them, it's kind of clear that they didn't really know about this whole anti-Semitism part of it. For reference, the Patriot Movement is a collective term used to describe a set of related extremist movements and groups in the United States whose ideologies center on anti-government conspiracy theories. The most important segments of the Patriot Movement include the Militia Movement, the Sovereign Citizen Movement, and the Tax Protest Movement. Though each sub-movement has its own beliefs and concerns, they share a conviction that part or all of the government has been infiltrated and subverted by a malignant conspiracy and is no longer legitimate. Though there is some overlap between the Patriot Movement and the White Supremacist Movement, that overlap has shrunk over time. There are in fact people of color within the Patriot movement, particularly within the sovereign citizen movement. Payne's church wasn't really a church. It was a hate group slash Ponzi scheme slash church, all kind of wrapped into one very oddly way. Their pastors were quite frankly, despicable people. The SPLC states, consider Patrick Henry Talbert, the greater elder who was videotaped making his pitch and his friends. Talbert was introduced by his host, Indianapolis Baptist Temple pastor, Greg Dixon, a man who has been a linchpin of the Patriot movement throughout the 1990s. After describing being jailed with several African-Americans, Dixon said, I was so sick, my head was just pounding. I can't tell you how sick I was. Dixon warmed up listeners by telling them that Greater was a double common law trust and it works. Thank you, brother Dixon, Talbert replied. And within minutes, he was talking about the Patriot take on the gold fringed US flag that flies in federal courtrooms. 240 countries right now have the gold fringed flag in their courtrooms around the world, Talbert said. And the audience murmured its ascent. It's a one world government being formed and they've come into America. While you was asleep at night, they went into all your libraries and took the lawful flag out. This is how they're trying to take over America. How should a good patriot fight back? Invest in greater ministries. Greater is battling government's repression of Christian churches, a repression that's already landed 500 preachers in jail. It's filing liens against its enemies left and right. Already, it's given a fortune to missionaries and other Christians worldwide. And its goal, Talbert says, is to free up every Christian financially with mines including a Liberian motherload of gold and platinum that will soon produce $1 billion a year with banks and hotels and a headquarters building and more, greater is truly blessed. This is far more convoluted than I imagined it would be initially. It's bad enough to be a hate group disguised as a church and it's bad enough to be a Ponzi scheme on its own. So I don't really know what to make of this one. It kind of reminds me of the KKK being an MLM, like are MLMs horrible and people who run them should face consequences? Absolutely. But if the victims are actual KKK members, then my sympathy is somewhat limited. So if someone invested in this anti-Semitic message, then again, it's hard for me to feel bad. Again, I'm not saying every investor felt this way. That doesn't seem to be the case here. And it was undoubtedly recommended to some people that didn't agree with the church message, but I'm sure you can understand what I'm getting at. Also, as yet another aside, there were other things Payne did that were, well, just messed up. In 1997, upon his return from one of his many trips abroad, customs agents in Atlanta found 26 videotapes in Payne's luggage depicting bestiality. 
Hall, Payne's associate, was held without bond for two months in the mid-1990s for aggravated stalking and violating a domestic violence injunction. The ADL, as well as a Forbes article, state this, though there's no detail about what's on the tapes. So while bestiality can technically be defined as cruel and horrible behavior, it's heavily implied that this was the more commonly known definition. Animals can't consent. That's all I'm gonna say about that. I'm honestly pretty glad there aren't any details about those tapes because I just, I don't wanna know. Anyway, it didn't take too long for some people to start getting suspicious. By 1995, local and state officials in Florida had heard enough about GMI to suspect that Payne was operating a pyramid scheme. In late September, a state agency issued an emergency cease and desist order. In response, Payne merely changed the name of the program to Faith Promises. Pennsylvania also banned the group from selling securities, yet GMI continued to solicit money, especially from the Amish and Mennonite communities. Apparently, this name change helped keep Payne and his associates under the radar for a while longer. They also stopped explicitly promising monetary returns in their literature, so Florida regulators struggled to catch them. In 1997, though, they began to flip. One elder we mentioned earlier, Talbert, was charged with multiple counts of racketeering, fraud, and other crimes related to a completely separate pyramid scheme that he and Norman Lower, an FMI volunteer, had established. Talbert waged a sovereign citizen battle in the courts for months, refusing to recognize their jurisdiction over him and alleging that state officials owed him a million dollars for economic loss and deprivation of liberty. He was eventually convicted and sentenced to a 10 year prison term. One source says that Talbert had defrauded 11 elderly women out of a quarter million dollars, charming. And unsurprisingly, he wasn't the only one either. Jonathan Strotter, a former GMI employee and nephew of a GMI officer, also wound up in legal trouble after setting up a copycat pyramid scheme that took in around $14 million between May and December of 1997. He was arrested and later entered a plea bargain in which he agreed to cooperate with authorities investigating GMI. Strotter's copycat was named Sovereign Ministries, which collected $13 million from 2,700 people with the promise of incredible returns, just like GMI. Strotter is someone I find particularly infuriating because of how he's commented on this case about Sovereign Ministries, honestly. According to the Orlando Centennial, it was an illegal pyramid scheme that unraveled a year later. Last summer, Strotter pleaded guilty to fraud and other charges in state and federal court. He was sentenced to five years in prison and will begin his term June 15th. I still believe to this day, my intention was good, said Strotter, 27, in an interview with the Orlando Sentinel. Strotter said he was naive and inexperienced. He said he didn't know he had broken the law and stopped his activities as soon as his attorney informed him. Authorities disagree. Immediately, they said Strotter bought cars, boats, clothes, and furnishings for his home. He made a few offshore investments, but none brought returns. So yeah, about those great intentions again. Well, these people are worse than an average crook because at least most con artists, I think, are self-aware enough to know that they're con artists. They just don't care that they are. But to say his intentions were good, come on, Strotter. Even you know that's bullshit. However, because of Strotter and the people around GMI being taken down, people started to grow suspicious of GMI again and have another go at them. Extremist publications downright accused them of operating a pyramid scheme, and GMI tried to sue people for libel since they were under federal investigation. Nothing had been proven just yet. The lawsuits were eventually dropped by GMI, but they were scrambling in the meantime to keep the money coming in. They announced an even more ambitious program called Greater Lands, where donors would receive a square foot parcel of land in a yet unidentified sovereign country. 
And I don't get the appeal of it, but apparently that was a thing too. I wasn't able to find much information about this. There was a 1998 program, so take it as you will. I don't think it particularly matters, just an interesting fun fact, I guess. And now it's time to take a quick break to talk about today's sponsor, HelloFresh. Now, you guys probably are familiar with HelloFresh if you've been around on the channel for a bit, but if you haven't, let me tell you about America's number one meal kit, which has an app that my you know dumb self, of course, couldn't figure out and put together, but I finally got the app and it literally made things about 20 times easier. But anyway, I digress. HelloFresh cuts out stressful meal planning and grocery store trips so that you can enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in 30 minutes or less every time. And let me tell you, as someone who sucks as a chef, (laughs) I think calling myself a chef would be real generous. This is a fantastic service. And they have over 25 recipes to choose from every single week. So there's something that everyone will enjoy. I recently got to enjoy the firecracker meatballs again, but this time I did it with like a roasted carrot. And by me, I mean the recipe told me to, which was super easy to follow along with. I thought it was gonna be some super complicated thing, but it was nice. And I really like that they added recipes that have a little bit of spice to them because I'm someone who really does like spicy food. So to add just a little kick, a little extra flavoring was really quite a treat. If you wanna get started with HelloFresh, make sure to go to hellofresh.com slash 12 MLM for 12 free meals, including free shipping. That's right, guys, we've upgraded from 10 free meals to 12. So make sure to go to hellofresh.com slash 12 MLM, use code 12 MLM for 12 free meals, including shipping. Thank you, HelloFresh, for sponsoring today's Multi-Level Mondays, and let's get back into the action. However, in 1998, GMI finally got some bad news and a blow that they needed to reveal they weren't at all what they said they were. By sheer coincidence, the state of Colorado shut down Best Bank, a bank where Payne had stored millions, about $20 million to pay off his investors. GMI promoters had to tell their audiences that Faith Promises would not return dollars, but instead certificates backed by the non-existent gold and silver mines GMI owned in Liberia. After three months, the cash stopped flowing altogether. Investors were given promissory notes told to hang on, but they started to suspect that they were in fact defrauded. The victims started to stack up in the tens of thousands and people obviously wanted answers. Because GMI had argued on paper that this was a donation to the church, they'd gotten away with it for so long. But the case was starting to be built against them and the Ponzi scheme eventually started falling apart. After all, not only was this not an investment, but this was clearly against security laws because Gerard Payne didn't even have a license to invest other people's money to begin with. Finally, in mid-March of 1999, federal regulators concluded their four-year-long investigation and charged Gerald Payne, his wife Betty, Don Hall, and other higher-ups within GMI on various counts of fraud. They'd stolen between 450 to $500 million from 18,000 people. Early investors didn't lose quite as much, but an estimated $174 million was lost, over half coming from Pennsylvania, the state with the highest combined Amish and Mennonite population. Payne was arrested in his driveway and his wife, no gun was found in his car and no gun in his boot either. Betty did have a pistol in her purse, but no one was harmed during the arrest. The church leaders, surprisingly, were bonded out. This is what absolutely boggles my mind. Despite a pending criminal trial, they still insisted people trust in them and continued their pitches. They said things like, we don't know anyone that's lost money in our program because it's not our money, it's God's, after having just been arrested for fraud. Like, are you actually kidding me? That's how little they cared. 
Investigators decided they needed to shut down GMI, convincing a federal judge that the church needed to close before more people were taken advantage of. However, this was shortly after the Waco massacres, so people were apprehensive. GMI was a bank building after all, and they were suspicious these people may be armed. It ended up being what American Greed called a dramatic entry because no risks were taken there. A SWAT team and a tank was brought in to shut GMI down. The team found over 100 recordings from meetings, cash stashed throughout the building, 14,000 tied up in a secretary's desk, yet almost empty vaults, 40,000, when they discovered the 450 million had been taken. They learned that GMI was calling small percentages of money given to early investors gas money, money given for bringing people into the plan. It was a 5% commission that added up to $20 million. Some people were getting over $160,000 a month from these commissions alone. Yet so much of their money was lost, over 20 million in the bank collapse, over 12 million in failed mining efforts in Liberia. These con men were conned in bad investments too, but the GMI directors and Payne had a plan. Apparently their idea was to find an island off the coast of Honduras and make their own sovereign nation with it. And I've got to wonder if this is what they intended to sell people, if they always knew they wanted to make their own sovereign nation, or if they just thought it would make a good place to hide away from investigators. Anyway, this was Greater Lands. It was going to be similar to the Vatican, but they intended to have a labor pool. Step one of their plan was, as they wrote, import Filipinos, end quote. Those would be their workers who helped build houses for them and made their island come to fruition. No, I'm not kidding either. How they intended to do that, I'm, I'm not exactly sure and I'm rather curious too, but thank God none of this actually worked because these people seem genuinely dangerous too. ADL stated, more sinister plans were discovered as well, including a planned arsenal of weapons for an island, Greater Lands, that GMI was trying to buy. The group's shopping list included Claymore mines, explosives, grenade launchers, machine guns, sniper rifles, surveillance balloons, and radar systems. However, their argument for all this in court was absolutely laughable. According to the Tampa Bay Times, the Tampa-based church's promise that cash gifts from a faithful world would be doubled within 17 months through investments in gold, platinum, diamonds, oil, and foreign banks was an illusion, a sham, a fraud, said Assistant U.S. Attorney Robert Mosakowski. It was an incredible combination of God and mammon. Mosakowski's comments came in closing arguments following the seven-week trial of Greater Ministries President Gerald Payne, his wife Betty, and church elders Patrick Talbert, Howard Uden Hall, and David Whitfield. Indicted in March 1999, the five faced 17 counts of conspiracy, mail fraud, wire fraud, and money laundering. They are accused of cheating church members through an investment plan called Double Your Blessing Gift Exchange. Gerald Payne is charged with additional counts of trying to evade currency transaction requirements stemming from the discovery that he cashed more than 1.5 million in checks in $9,000 increments in 1993 and 1994. Prosecutors say Payne and the others ran a classic Ponzi scheme where payments to initial investors were made from funds sent to the church by the later wave of investors. Mosakowski and Greater Ministries dealt almost exclusively in cash and went to extraordinary lengths to conceal paper trails. He said the church leaders used a series of falsehoods to convince members that offshore investments were genuine and that profits were pouring into Good Works ministry projects. In fact, Mosakowski said most of the investments were cockamamie failures and that the money reported spent on mission work was greatly exaggerated. Ronald Smith, the attorney for Gerald Payne, told jurors Tuesday that Greater Ministries trial was a trial on religious beliefs. 
He said defendants merely followed the scriptural dictate on Luke 6:38, give and it will be given to you with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. While Jared Payne traveled widely, developed a friendship with Liberian president Charles Taylor and had 8 million in investments in the African country, Smith said, he enjoyed no lavish lifestyle afforded by fraud. Instead, he bought his clothes at Goodwill and lived in a trailer. Moreover, Payne refused to seek sanctuary in Liberia even when confronted with the probability of a grand jury indictment, Smith said. If he wasn't a fraud, don't you think he would have grabbed the money and split, the attorney asked jurors. Don't you think he could have hid out in Liberia rather than come back to this? Now, even if Payne did live in a trailer and had no life of luxury by whatever that standard is, I don't think that matters. That doesn't make this crime any less of a crime. Also, to argue that this was their religious freedom is utter bullshit too. Stealing from people is not religious freedom. Again, if you want to donate to a church, that's fine. But if a church is pressuring you or pressuring you to dump your entire life savings into their scam, well, then that doesn't exactly sound super godly to me. Just saying. People were left without rent money, food money, or any savings. This wasn't a gifting program. Payne's own words said as much. Their own recordings and videotapes were ultimately their downfall because their statements were clear. You'll get double your money back in 17 months. Jim Chambers, Henry Showalter, Tom Parker, Keith Rodemer, Louis Strauder, Faye Fry, Betty Payne, David Whitfield, Scott Hughes, Patrick Talbert, John Krishak, Jim Maudsley, Jim Biggerstaff, Paul Bennett, Cece Carlman, Nova Miller, Norman Lower, Don Hall, Brenka Hall, J. Ed Strauder, Patsy Tharp, B.B. Burnett, Tom B. Sleep, Charles Eadson, Frank Huffman, Al Dayton, Sid Howell, Jack Coe, and Jack C. Hudson were all co-conspirators to Gerald Payne's plan. Only seven were formally arrested, Gerald, Betty, Don Hall, Talbury, Whitfield, Krishek, and James Chambers. They received sentences ranging from 11 to 20 years, while Gerald was given 27. In a phone interview, Gerald told American Greed that we did nothing wrong and we were relying on God to pay people back. Yeah. Okay, sure. So they took money from people and thought it would just fall from the sky in return? Okay. I understand the idea of having faith and trusting in God. I get that people do that. And you do you if that's your thing. You do you if that's also not your thing. But to expect money to just fall in your lap, money that you've taken from people, that's not having faith. That's just stealing. American Greed goes on to list some of the victims and what they lost. I think the only trouble I have with the source is that on the other side of this, the hate that the church preached is so rarely mentioned. I honestly have no idea why either. I'm not sure if it's because news sources at this time didn't want anyone telling victims that they deserved it for supporting this place, but I I just don't know why they didn't mention the like white supremacy stuff. As for more recent news, in April 2001, James List pleaded guilty in federal court in West Virginia for fraud and tax charges related to his GMI activities. In June 2001, two church elders, Andrew Krishak and James Chambers, pleaded guilty to conspiracy for their role in the massive fraud scheme and were sentenced to two and a half years and five years in prison, respectively. In December 2001, GMI elder Paul F. Bennett received a one-year sentence after pleading guilty to a separate fraud scheme that cheated investors out of $290,000. Meanwhile, authorities continue their efforts to recover GMI assets, which to repay the many victims of the scam. GMI bankruptcy trustee Kevin O'Hallorhan estimated in December 2001 that legitimate losses totaled around $84 million. 
Less than 10% of this amount has been recovered in assets. One source even claims that apparently Judge Whittermore only planned on giving Betty Payne just over 11 years, but he upped her sentence to over 12 when she denounced the trial as a violation of her constitutional rights and said that the actions were guided by the Holy Spirit. Now, this comes from a site called Christianity Today, so it's good to see even a Christian source is calling out some of this bullshit. Hate groups are unfortunately on the rise, so that's why I think it's important to recognize GMI for what it was, every part of them hateful as well as a Ponzi scheme, as well as scammers that used religion and faith in God against people. This was without a doubt one of the largest Ponzi schemes in that era and one of the most notorious because of the nature of it. But with all that being said, that's where we are ending today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, make sure you are liking, following, subscribing, so you are always staying up to date on the latest episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Multi-Level Mondays, and I will see you in the next one. 